1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. And it's Open Line Chat with Dr. Michael Rydelnik joining us right now to answer all your Bible, theology, end time questions. And a good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Tavi. It's good to see you. How are you guys doing? We're good. good. And, and I have to say, it's good to have Tavi back in the fold. Uh, she is missed when she's gone, but it's good to have her back. Great to have you with us, Michael, on a Monday morning. And let's just dive right in. We don't have that much time with you. So I wanted to start off with a question that actually came in last week. We didn't have an opportunity to get to it. And it, the question comes out of Exodus 9, 5. It says, the Lord said all the livestock of the Egyptians died. And then Exodus nine eighteen talks about the beast of the field livestock being affected by the hail. So the question is, did these plagues happen with just a short period of time so that the beast and the livestock kind of repopulated? Or just wanted to know if you could address that. Well, in Exodus 9, 5, uh, the, uh, it says the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. Uh, and the verse 6 says, the Lord did this the next day. All the Egyptian livestock died, but none of the Israelite livestock died. What was the other verse that they were looking at, uh, by the way? 9.18. 9.18. Then uh, uh, it says, tomorrow at this time I will rain down the worst hail that has ever occurred from that day, and therefore give orders to bring your livestock and all that you have in the field into the shelters. Now, I don't know what the... Uh, the uh, the length of time was, uh, but uh, the fifth plague was the death of livestock. The seventh plague was hail. So uh, this is before the death of the firstborn. Maybe in some contexts this would be the death of just the death of firstborns, uh, as in later. But I don't think so. I think this is uh, just uh, there was some time in between to rebuild. Maybe it was just the adult livestock that was killed initially. So there was time for the other livestock to grow. Just not clear uh, how, how that happened. Yeah. So, but those are some possibilities. Partial, uh, when it says that uh, in verse 6, all the Egyptian livestock died, it may very well mean all the adult livestock mm. died. Okay. Okay. Uh, or maybe the livestock that they kept in their, their family a, home versus the ones that were everywhere, or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, the in nine eighteen 
it it could be a few years, couple of years later, so that they grow up. It didn't take long for livestock to grow up. Well, that's mm-hmm. true. And and, and just uh, as you're just reading back through here, just the distinction that God makes between Israel and Egypt, I think, is just beautiful. Every time I read through that, I just see, no, there's a difference between my people and your people. And I'm just going to let you know, but it, it still strikes me about the hardening of the hearts, mm-hmm. uh, how they didn't yeah, see it. I think it's interesting that the first to make the distinction was not God, but the Egyptians. Because they took the Israelites and put them into slavery. Mm-hmm. So uh, they made a distinction between Israelites and between uh, the Egyptian people. So then God made a distinction between the Egyptians and, and the Israelites. Mm. Okay. okay. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us on Mornings with Tom and Tommy. If you have a question for Michael, we would love to hear from you. Uh, and you can text it and you can even give us a call, 423-629-8900. And while they're doing that, Michael, I wanted to bring you into a little bit of the conversation we were having earlier about what happens when you are kind of picked last in life and you uh, feel maybe rejected, insecure, um, not brought into things. I'd be curious to know, like, as I think even in Christianity, sometimes applying the Bible to our mental state sometimes is difficult to do. But how would we go into Scripture to make sure we can figure out who we are, who God says we are, and really apply that to our insecurities, our depression, our anxieties in Mm -hmm. some some different ways? Uh, I I actually think that uh, one of the mistakes that we make is that we don't value ourselves the way God values us, you know, and, and here's what I mean is that uh, we have a great deal of worth. And so often we emphasize the scriptures say we're not worthy. Mm -hmm. That's true. It forgets to say that the scripture, we forget to say that the scriptures teach that we have infinite worth, Uh, not worthy, Mm. but worth. And, and what I mean by that, is that we're made in the image of God, and so he values us uh, just because we're made in his image. And then uh, a lot of times we neglect that, the the fact that we're made in his image. One, we can have a relationship with God that animals can't because they're not made in his image. Second, uh, we have been granted as humanity dominion over the earth. And uh, thirdly, we're like him in that we have male and female, and yet there's only this one human race. You know, it says in the context, uh, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Mm-hmm. He made them male and female. Just as God is one, there's a plurality within, within his oneness. Mm-hmm. So we have plurality within our oneness. In all these ways, we're like God. Mm-hmm. We're made in his image, and that should give us great value. And then when we consider this, God paid an infinite price to redeem us, Uh the father gave his only son, his one and only son, his beloved son. He demonstrates his love for us that while we're yet sinners, Messiah died for us. The The point of this is that if God didn't have great value for us, why would he go to that length, pay that price mm. to redeem us? And so for, for every follower of Jesus, as we look at Scripture, while we may say we're not worthy of salvation, we need to remember that God has granted us great worth, great value to him. And that's ought to affect how we think about ourselves and how much God care for us. Well, that's why we cast our cares upon him, because he cares for us. Uh, and I think that's 
when we have anxiety and we think that we're, we're not worth it, let's, let's rethink that biblically. We're in a conversation with Dr. Michael Rydelnik for Open Line Chat and uh, would love having um, him on to answer our questions live in the Tennessee Valley. Of course, you can also listen to him on Saturdays from 10 to 12 Eastern for Open Line. And so, Tom, what do you think? What's on your mind? Well, here's my question for you. It came out of a conversation my wife and I had after church. We're walking through um, 1 Timothy uh, at the at the church that I, we attend talks about women and kind of their role and, and what Paul is kind of setting as a guideline. And uh, we feel like uh, our teacher did a great job, of course, but he came into it apologetically about, now women, I'm so sorry that, and women, I'm so sorry that it's, but it's, it, and the question came, why are we so apologetic uh, when we're talking to women about what scripture says about women when we don't say anything else about other principles of scripture but for some reason we have to couch what god says in scripture to women apologetically she goes i wish we would just share it because if it's in scripture it's for our benefit but we have a hard time with that Mm -hmm. i think it's because sometimes we're afraid of the culture and uh the culture is sort of counter-cultural uh the culture doesn't want to see any distinguishing between men and women at all. I mean, zero distinguish distinction. Uh, that's one thing. And then uh, the, the I, I hate to say this, but too often the church follows the culture more than it knows what the scripture says. So when you get up to teach what First Timothy 2 is saying in verses 12 through 15, mm-hmm. It's all, all often like, well, I know you're going to not be happy because you've been influenced by the culture. Uh, and I, I think this passage makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, and I think what we need to do, though, I, I'm never, I've taught it before. I've taught through First Timothy. Uh, I, one of more, my funny experiences, I was the intern. I, I attended a church for many years. The pastor left. I was the interim they asked me to be the interim, and they asked me to teach through First Timothy. And then when we came to this passage, uh, the, the worship leader and one of the elders came and said, can we skip First Timothy 2, 11 through 15? Mm. Just skip it. And I said, well, if you don't trust me to teach it, that's fine. You teach it. But we're going to preach the word in season, out of season. Mm-hmm. We're not going to skip passages that you think people won't like. Mm. And so they uh, so I they said, okay, teach it. And I taught it, and no one was offended, amazingly. Mm. Uh, because one of the things I talked about is in the beginning of this passage, at the outset, I said, we're going to talk about some limitations and opportunities that this passage gives women. And besides that, there are many ministry opportunities that the rest of Scripture teaches about women. I want to lay out, before we even look at limitations, what other passages of Scriptures give about opportunities for ministry for mm-hmm. women. And so I just I put that in the context of all that God has called women to do and all the many opportunities that they have. And as a result, they uh, then I taught what the limitations were and also the opportunities within this very passage. And afterwards, everyone's like, well, that wasn't so bad. Why were we nervous? Mm. And 
And in fact, it was good. But I think that sometimes we forget, we teach the limitation without the opportunities. And uh, I think it gets people, we get nervous about doing that. Well, we should, we should always couch it, frame it, put it within the context of all the opportunities of ministry. Well, I love that. Uh, Yeah, and our pastor did the same thing. The only difference was he came about it apologetically at first and then brought the scripture. And so that's really what brought about the conversation between my wife and I. And as a woman, I would Mm -hmm. like to comment. (laughs) You would like to what? I would like to comment too. (laughs) Yeah, go. Yes, because I think that sometimes when things have been taught about women in the church and, and, you know, different aspects of what we can do, it has been restrictive. It has been a restrictive flow in the way it's been couched. And so women are defensive. They are a little bit irritated. And so people know that they sense that. And, but I think what you're talking about, talking about all the things that we are called to do and, 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 and looking at it in such an open way and such an opportunistic way and what God has laid out for us, that would change so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, women can do so much. Uh, and I mean, I, I look at it, I believe for Timothy too, I think there are differences between men and women. Uh, but I also look at my wife and I see all that she has done for the kingdom of God and uh, a whole career of serving him. There, there is no uh, uh, lack of opportunity for serving God in her mm-hmm. her whole life. So that's right. I think that's something that we need to really remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just, again, teaching the totality of Scripture, not here are the limitations. God bless you. Go on can't and do, do likewise. Can't right? do that. Can't. <laughs> no one wants to do that, but your pastor, I'm sure, is sensing, oh, they're not going to be happy. I think there has to be, you know, when, when I, another aspect of preaching that sometimes uh, we forget is everything that we teach. We, uh, we ask three questions. One of which is, is it true? And people say, well, it's true because it's in the Bible. But what I mean by, is it true is because it's in the Bible, I know it's true, but how can I validate it? So people sense it's truth. Mm-hmm. They sense it's, uh, validity Rightness. in their lives. And, uh, and that's where, why I'm not, apologetic about teaching what the scriptures say. And I, sometimes, sometimes, I will say this. I've sometimes made fun of the fact that people get angry about this passage. Mm-hmm. Once I was preaching through it when I was pastor and I had a young woman who was sort of an actress and she stood up and started shouting, you know, at me and saying, Oh, there you go again. You're going to limit us and you're going to stop us. And, and she, I'm just walking out and she got all yelly. And uh, people were sitting there in absolute shock. And I said, now I know some of you are going to feel just like that. That was set up. I I arranged with her to do that. (laughs) Did you really? Yeah. (laughs) I love you, Michael. That is great. That is a great teaching. Yeah. Illustration. It's not so. Don't feel that way. Let me show you what the scriptures say. Well, okay, that's, that's great. Truly wonderful. And then in our conversation afterwards, um, I, I just wanted to just share something that came out, uh, and I read it in my proverb for today. That's Proverbs twenty nine nineteen. You know, um, where there's no vision, the people perish. Also, you know, where there's new revelation of truth, the people perish. And I think we're so afraid to share the truth that we're allowing our culture to perish around us because we're not willing to go there. Mm-hmm. And I just think that we should. And then 
and trust that God's word will do what God's word can do, not what we think it should do or shouldn't do. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, and, and you interpreted that verse right, without a vision, the people perish. That doesn't mean without a, 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 an insight into what the future of the, you know, this community holds, you know, the, uh, like we, the way we talk about vision, it's talking about prophetic vision. Without the teaching of prophetic truth, biblical truth, biblical truth, I'm not talking about any other kind of vision. Uh, without teaching that, people will perish. They're starving for the word of God. We need to give it to them and give it to them unapologetically and boldly. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Thank you. With good teaching behind it, because there's conversations that are not always in the Bible that need to be expounded on for us today. So yep. thank you for that. I want to squeeze in one last, very easy one for you, I believe. It is, is the, this is from Beverly. She says, is the apostle Peter the same Peter that St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, in the Vatican, is named after? Allegedly. Allegedly, okay. <laughs> it may very well be, uh, but... It was named for him. I don't know if he was ever there. Yeah. Uh, he, he likely was there, but not in the Basilica, but in Rome. In but Rome. That's named for him. Yeah. Yeah. But it's for the Apostle Peter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us and for a great conversation yet again. Yeah, Michael, it's always good to have you here with us on Mornings with Tom and Tommy, especially for this edition of Open Line Chat. <laughs>